Yeah. Oh, shit. That looks like a meme. Wow. We are so going to make shit. You need to do that into a meme, Caspian. You'll be, you'll go yeah. viral. Put it by the YouTube wall. Can, can we not? Gosh. <laughs> can we not Fuck. make fun of millennials, please? Uh, you will not need a... to make that into a meme. You'll go viral. Seriously? <laughs> Fuck's sake. Yes. Absolutely. Most definitely. Okay, so just to catch up, this is our first actual conversation in like a month or something. Um, yeah, that's could, enough. Isn't it even more? Could be yeah, even more. Feels, yeah, it feels like it's been forever. Because our last book conversation, I sort of successfully double booked. And... Um, I had uh, some friends over for dinner, and in the middle of dinner, somebody sent me a text saying, we're waiting for you. You're supposed to be in the podcast recording. Um, yeah. And you put up two middle fingers and said no. Um, well, kind of, yeah. I mean, I did. I, I felt really grateful because for once I could feel quite human. You know, I mean, I sort of fucked up and double book didn't didn't turn up didn't show and then elena got the rona i got the rona i did and so you're out of commission for a few weeks and uh, now you've been back on your feet for a couple of weeks yep working a lot yeah, yeah. and caspian basically been twiddling his thumbs waiting yeah, for the old anything. people to get their shit together <laughs> yeah what's with that I'm slightly younger than you guys huh spoken well, to somebody who's like well well they are slightly younger yeah, than you guys Caroline is just, what, four or five years younger than me? I don't know when Caroline is born. She's older than. Than young. Yeah. I had no idea. I do. <laughs> Sorry. So, well, we figured out Jan is a millennial. He must be at the far end of it. He's at the far end, but he, he, he is a millennial. He was so happy about that fact. <laughs> it is quite a relief when you find out what team you're on. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm. Possibly. Spoken from Team Dinosaur. She doesn't want to belong in Team Dinosaur. So, how are you? King Cass, what's up? I'm pretty good. I've had... Uh, 
I'm finally, you know, I, I realized, I think it was last week or the week before I had a full, you know, full day of work. I did some 10 hours of paid work or something like that in, in one day, which was kind of rev, rev, revolutionizing for me. It was very strange to have, you know, I usually clock, I think it's, I, I think I average four or five hours, six days a week. And I had a full day and I was like, whoa, this is what it feels like be, to be, to be working. Um, very strange feeling. And then at the same time, I, um, Elsa and I have been sleeping in the past two days. So yesterday, I think we left bed at half past one or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and today we, we, we went up for a walk yesterday evening and we were like, we should probably get our shit together and, and wake up at a reasonable time and, and get out of bed so that we don't waste our whole days for a majority of the time, at least. So, so we set a standard of actually leaving bed and doing something productive. I was like, yeah, we should, we should do, totally do that. We should set the, set the alarm for, for seven tomorrow. That should be, that should be quite nice, but we both like to, to wake up at a reasonable time. Um, the, the alarm went off this morning and she rolled around she looked at me and she said, one more hour. I said, yeah, one more hour. Um, that ended up being two and a half more hours. Um, so we, we've had, I, it's a very strange feeling of, of not wanting to do what, what I usually want to do. Basically. So what happens when you don't set an alarm. Do you normally set an alarm? I have periods where, where I don't, uh, it depends on whether, you know, I went, when I slept alone, I didn't, um, mm. because then I was better at the thing. The thing is for me, I, if, if I go to bed at, at my optimal time, which is around 10, um, I usually don't need to set an alarm. Um, but if, if I'm, you know, Elsa is, is, is on a slightly different time schedule than I am. Um, she likes to go to bed at 11 or even, even 12, half past 12, um, which makes me prone to stay up at two until, you know, around 12. And, and if I don't set an alarm when I go to bed that late, um, I don't get up. I, I tend to sleep more hours and longer. Um, so then, then I what? actually. But wouldn't better. that be because you then need to sleep more hours and longer because you're kind the of. The thing is, I, I don't feel as refreshed your... as when I get out of bed at, at six or seven. So I, I just feel, feel drowsy and, and, you know, sort of sluggish. <laughs> Uh, for the rest of the day instead. I'd much oh. rather wake up at 6, 7 and then take a nap in the afternoon. Um, then, Are you trying then... telling yourself when you go to bed, I will wake up at 6? Yeah, that, that usually works. Not when I'm sleeping with Elsa. Mostly because it's so cozy. You know, I just don't <laughs> want to leave bed. That, that's the main reason. But that's um, a good reason though. It is, it is. Oh. So overall, yeah, I'm really good. I'm really good. 
What about you, D? Well, I've tried to tell myself, you know, uh, wake up at six, you know, and then at um, sort of 10 to four, my uh, inner child is going, surprise. <laughs> it's a kind of difficult time of year. I'm adjusting to all the changes in light and uh, the birds start singing at the moment at about quarter to four. So I wake up and then uh, shoot some birds. And I shoot some birds, angry birds. <laughs> but I um, actually, I really do appreciate it because the, the morning hours are so fantastically peaceful. So it's, yeah. it's possible to really achieve some very, very nice internal states, you know, yeah. like sort of high quality drugs or something, you know. Clean and cut. Very nice. But otherwise, I'm feeling all pretty good. Nothing to complain about. Um, you know, life is as uh, confusing and fucked up as it ever was, and um, it's uh, equally deeply inspiring and uh, divine. You know, so. Full full spectrum, full spectrum dom, you know. I think that's what Donald Rumsfeld meant, you know, when he said full spectrum dominance. He was thinking of me. <laughs> so like total confusion and um, total sort of uh, divine inspiration. Feels good. I've had a very creative period, I think, um, mentally, uh, a lot of, uh, kind of, uh, I think small, uh, incremental breakthroughs and in, in different sort of lines of thinking and research that have been kind of great, really interesting and very useful. And so, yeah. It sounds nice. And Madame H. Well, it has been interesting too to do the Rona thing, <clears throat> to kind of participate firsthand in the, in the COVID experience. Um, and I feel lucky that I, um, let's say I had 11 days of like fluish things and the three last days were worse, um, but not even close to having to go to any hospital or, you know, that. And I could read the entire time. So in the month of May, I read 14 books, a number of which were in that week. So <laughs> it's like a book every two days. I mean, yeah. And, and 
you know, one of them was 1,200 pages, and I think one or two of them was, two or three of them were like 800 pages or something, so it wasn't kind of tiny books. Um, great fun. Love books. Um, Can you even say you were sick? If if you read 14 well, books, what, was that really well, an illness? Well, I didn't read 14 books then. I probably read like five or six then. But but that's what I'm saying actually to people. I've had worse flus where I haven't been able to read. And those are much, much worse. Right. That's hell, you know. So I was I was oh. good enough to read the entire time. And then a couple of more days of, of um, like feeling better, no fever, but still kind of tired. So starting into work and having a meeting and then having to lay down for an hour and then having another meeting and laying down. Um, but now I'm, I'm fit for fight and, and sort of on. I kind of, you know, it's kind of interesting to notice. I was like, okay, here I am. I can, I have the mental capacity to stay focused in a Zoom meeting for 15 minutes. Then I'm gone. <laughs> You know, and then kind of seeing how that interval is is lengthened. Um, so getting back on track. Oh. So I feel I feel quite lucky, and it's been a time of of reflection and and kind of uh, feeling very loved by people who were, you know, reaching out and how are you? And can I buy you something? Do you need anything? What can I do for you? And um, so very loved and very held, which is a, is a lovely feeling. That really, that really helped. So, yeah. Oh. So I'm, I'm good. It's been, it's been Lovely also because I've spent the weekend in the garden uh, for a couple of hours on Saturday in the company of Dominic and our friend Anna. And the garden is starting to look so good. It's so, it's so pleasing. It makes me very, very happy. Um, so yeah, things are good. And I feel quite satisfied that I didn't pass it on to anybody, even though I had one of the kids home. The other one had stayed away, stayed at a friend's house. When, once I got it, until I kind of knew I had it, and sort of unrelated, so she just stayed away. Um, whereas the other one had just gotten here when I got it, so. But he didn't get so. Yeah. And now I'm thinking, does this mean that I can kind of get out of getting vaccinated? Because I can say that I've had it. Caspian is shaking his head. I'm going to do one of those um, antibodies tests to see if I have any antibodies. My dad said he could give me one for my birthday. An antibody? 
an antibody test. Not an antibody, but a test. Oh. It sounds as if somebody has a hamster wheel in the background. It's Mr. D. Is it your rabbit's D? It's rain. Oh, it's rain. It's rain. Right, you have that window. The window. Yeah. Okay. Now I've been thinking, I, I was... I had such a cute, uh, I had a couple of cute experiences on, on the topic of feeling loved last, or this Saturday. Um, because as you, of course, know, it was the Champions League football final. I and actually as you both know, know it because you've told me. Or you haven't and told me, but you've <laughs> shared in social media, so I knew. I haven't, though. Yes, you had because you said who has a Champions League, you know, oh, right. what's his yeah. face, that, uh, place yeah. logging where I can watch it. So, yes, you did. That's true. Yes, I have. Mm -hmm. um, no, it, it, was, it was the cutest thing. I, I, um, it was the Champions League final. Chelsea were in the final for the first time since 2012. Um, it is the 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 competition for for world club club football um so it's it's the biggest match of, of the year and in in many and of the players team. and my teams and and many of the players biggest game ever probably in their careers um um hopefully not but but probably um and you know i i don't i don't i'm not I'm not that public with my football interests, or at least I've heard I'm not that public with my football interest. Um, I even had, I think it was this, Jan and I had a conversation this January or something like that. We've been working for, for one and a half years. Uh, and in the conversation, it was like, are you, you're, are you into football at all? I was like, yeah, I'm a huge, huge Chelsea fan. Like, what? He, he was totally baffled about it. Uh, that's that's how non-public I've been. Apparently, not not intentionally, but um, um, but I had I think I had three or four friends um, who wished me luck some sometime throughout the day. Um, I had one one of my close friends who, who texted me just. A text from out of the blue saying, "Are you super superstitious?" I was like, "What? Well, uh, not that I know of, or not not <laughs> particular." Well, how do I respond to this? I was like, "Well, in in football, are you superstitious?" So I was like, "No, not really." I was like, "In that case, good luck tonight." Um, <laughs> oh, that's sweet. <laughs> and I had a, co a couple of other friends who who just from out of the blue. In some way or another, sent good luck or or how's it going? What are your predictions? You know, whatever. Um, and those are people that are completely uninterested in in football, and completely uninterested. Even Jan, 
he 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 texted me uh, ten minutes before the game ended. He was like, "Congratulations, congratulations?" Question mark football emoji. <laughs> <laughs> did they win? They won. Oh, okay. well, they did. Congratulations. So and thank you, thank you. Um, no, but it, it was just such such a nice feeling of of feeling loved. Yeah, because it's it's the smallest of ways of saying I know this means a lot to you. I don't give a fuck, but but I I care about yeah. you. Yeah. So so good luck. Um, I thought that was pretty cute. It is, it is pretty cute. And it is that, you know, it's like one of the people who were like, oh, do you need me to go shopping for you? I can do, you know, it's like, is, is, is an old Tinder date that I've been, you know, we've been, you know, we text now and again, and he's, he's hilarious. Um, and, and he was like, I'm, or I was like, I'm down with COVID. He was like, oh, do you need me to go shopping? I'll go shopping. It's like, no, no, that, you know, it's like, it's cool. I have the neighbors did it. You know, you don't have to drive across town to, to do that. But it's like, it is a lovely, it is a lovely feeling to, to have people just step up. And I had D, um, kind of tending to me, um, so I got infected on a Monday. I had a little tickle in my throat on the Thursday. Canceled going away to a few meetings and stayed at home instead, but wasn't sick, but kind of during the night. So Friday I went to, to get a speed test. Um, and it was confirmed. And then next Thursday. So a weekend, day eight, my fever started to spike. And that was when I had been doing Wim Hof breathing the entire time without issues. But on that Thursday, it's like my, my, my lungs were a third of the size that they normally are. They kind of ended below mm. my shoulders. It's like I couldn't breathe in. You know, I couldn't inhale long and controlled and I could definitely not exhale. It's like they're so that was really weird. So when my fever started to spike, I got um I I feared for my life because this is what you hear. It's like it's it's you have an easy time and then shit the shit hits the fan and bam. So I was jotting down the passwords for my um, the computer and, and stuff, you know, for the kids leaving them around. And then I texted D saying that my fever is spiking and I'm kind of feeling scared. And it was nine o'clock at night or something. And D responded saying, I'm here. I'll keep my phone with me. Uh, if you need me, I'm here, which was precisely what I needed. So I fell asleep. I woke up the next morning, less of a fever, then it spiked again. But by then sort of the, that, that sense of fear was gone. And I just felt so held. It's like, mm. I know he's there. I can, you know, whenever, um, which often is enough, 
just knowing that is enough. Um, so that was the that was the stickiest moment of the of the entire time for me. But oh. yeah. Yeah. But it's interesting because if I hadn't been inundated with COVID information and stories and, and articles and, you know, everything for the past year, uh, you know, I wouldn't have been so afraid. It was like, because my physical... I mean, it wasn't a radically high fever. I wasn't delirious. I, you know, it's like, and yes, my my breathing capacity was was compromised, but it wasn't impossible. It wasn't like I had a constricted throat. You know, it's like, and I I didn't cough a lot at all. So it's like, if I hadn't had that cloud of knowing what could be, what is, you know, it's like. I don't think at, at all I would have had the same mental reaction that I did. Hmm. Oh. So that's my Rona story. Been there, done that. COVID was here. Can you say that instead of Kilroy? Instead of? Kilroy. Kilroy. Kilroy Who's was Kilroy? here. But Rona was here. Yeah. Who's Kilroy? It was something you it's wrote It's just on. for dinosaurs, don't Wolf. worry. It, yeah, it's a dinosaur thing. But I'm guessing there's quite a lot of dinosaurs listening to this, so they'll know what we're speaking about. I oh. gotta make those t-shirts for you guys. The dinosaur t-shirts? Yeah. Only yeah. for dinosaurs. Well. <laughs> well, you know, Big Brother... The TV show, the concepts, my I, Big Brother. Yeah, well, like before Big Brother, the TV show, there was Big Brother, the big surveillance idea. Okay. Um, and before Big Brother, the surveillance idea, there was Kilroy. Okay. So Kilroy is like, a, it's a kind of um, a warning to be observant during uh, the period uh, leading up to and during the Second World War where anybody could be spying, you know. Um, mm. So there's a little uh, graphic that people drew where there's a, a big nose. Um, it's like a, a head of a man with a huge nose and the nose is hanging over a wall. He's called Kilroy. Does that explain it? I don't know. Sure, sure. 
the concept. I, I kind of get it. Yeah. But you should fix those t-shirts, you know, it's the mouth of both me and Dominic turning one year older dinosaurs. Dinosaur plus one. Yeah. That's, that's Dinosaur Junior. Well, we're senior. <laughs> you have to be senior. I, I have the junior position though. Well, I would have to say that both of you are, are quite junior dinosaurs. They're, they're, oh, I, I would have I to say take that, that as a compliment. I was thinking of the grunge band, actually. Um, there was such a thing. They were really bad. Um, dinosaurs and the junior. juniors? Yeah, they're called Dinosaur, Dinosaur Junior, yeah. Mm, that rings a very faint bell. From the grunge years. The bell is far away. I think you may have been born at that stage, Caspian. Yeah, I think I, I think uh, I was born during during the grunge years. That's pretty impressive. Being poor. Oh. Got it. Every time we have this discussion, I'm reminded of uh, I can't remember who it was. Some uh, American comedian. Um, who said something along the lines that speaking about his dad, you know, who was kind of competitive and his dad used to say, you know, when I was your age, I was older. <laughs> I actually say the opposite. I say to my, at least my oldest, that when I was that she's wiser than I was at her age. Um, so that would be oh. the opposite in some ways, maybe I should add uh, that little oh. caveat. <laughs> so your own story kind of, um, if I, if I can use my, I've, I've been working on my, my, uh, podcast skills, you know, um, so I've been, uh, sort of upping my game with these really impressive phrases like, um, segue and map on and, uh, so on, you know, so I think your, your own story maps on really well to the things I've been talking about. So it can just segue into that. What do you think? I think that's perfect. I don't know what map on means though. I have to say my podcasting skills aren't. Um, okay. You don't have that in your stack. I, I don't. <laughs> you, sound, you sound like you've been in a two week long sort of educational program with NPR. <laughs> They're like, this is how you do radio. So uh, you'll just have to grok it, you know. I'll place a book here. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, a while ago we were talking about um, highly sensitive people. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
<clears throat> it struck me that um, I, I saw an article uh, from a, from The Lancet. So you know, um, it's it's not a, a peer reviewed paper or anything like that. I think it's a letter to The Lancet, but it's uh, written by a uh, a medical professional, and the person has suffered long term COVID. And um, they described the kind of things that they, they've been going through. Um, and uh, I thought this, this subject is, is kind of really interesting. You know, there's any number of articles in the press about people suffering long-term COVID. And in Sweden, there was a little minor scandal because they closed down the only center for long-term COVID studies and, uh, you know, like the usual run of run-of-the-mill stuff, get, get your pound of flesh out of whatever story um, without really bothering what's behind the story. Um, but this guy uh, was having a really shit time of it, um, as many long-term COVID sufferers do. And uh, the way that things resolved for him was that he, he contacted, um, I think, someone that he... He picked up on in a forum also a sort of very scientifically minded person, you know. So um, I'm just framing this up, you know, so that we've uh, we can all agree that there are no tinfoil hats in the vicinity and so on. Um, and the advice that the guy gives him um, is to say, "Well, are you prepared to kind of uh, dump your ideas of?" disease and medicine and uh, so on um, in your interest to recover from, from, from long-term COVID. And, and he's kind of desperate and says, sure. And, and um, the guy says to him, look, you know, basically long-term COVID is in your head um, and helps him through a process of uh, reestablishing. I mean, if we're going to use sort of uh, uh, neurocognitive terminology. Um, he's he's reestablishing neural pathways uh, for a normal life, and it's really interesting how this kind of therapy has had enormous uh, benefits for people suffering from long term COVID, and what there seems to emerge from it in a, at least a certain uh, percentage of these people is that um, there is a mental model. Uh, that is predominant in the the minds of long-term COVID sufferers and the expectations of what the the disease is going to be like. And when these mental models get replaced by healthy models, uh, people recover. Hmm. And this means that these people actually despite that they feel the effects of long-term COVID, so they're really tired, they can't concentrate, um, they may have any number of, of other symptoms, um, they go to the gym. And they really don't think that they can do anything at the gym. Um, but by the end of several weeks of um, basically forcing themselves to lead a normal life, um, they recover from long-term COVID. And, you know, I thought about a conversation around highly sensitive people um, 
and uh, your comment, Elena, that um, you said uh, the cloud of knowing. Oh, did I? You did. Um, it was beautiful, you know. <laughs> there was a, a huge veil of Rona tears that um, engulfed us all. But, um, you know, there's two, there's two concepts here that I think are, are worth kind of um, mapping onto this. Um, one of them is, is uh, the, uh, the idea of morphogenic field theory. Um, and Come again. what that's which, about which, is... Which is? Um, Just a brief, uh, you have two people going, how, what? Hello? More, more, um, morphogenic field theory. Yeah, there's a um, a man called this Rupert Sheldrake. This feels like something you've He's... made up. Did you just yeah. make it up? I did. I did. Um, okay. So Sheldrake is a um, he's a, a biologist by training, I think. Um, I and, think you mentioned him uh, before. It could be, um, and he's a. Uh, an amazing thinker. He, he's published uh, a number of, of very, very interesting books, amongst them a book called The Science Delusion, which I can highly recommend, where he unpicks um, the assumptions about modern science that we build a hell of a lot of, of quite uh, uh, skew assumptions on. Um, but one of his big uh, uh, contributions is is a theoretical framework to explain how um, genetic effects exist across uh, fields of uh, organic life. Um, so in the, sort of one way to explain this in some ways is, is to talk about the so-called hundredth monkey effect. Um, and Again, this is something that, that uh, is kind of misreported and uh, not really understood that well from the anecdotal point of view. But the, the, the actual experiments that, um, uh, that were done is to do with how rats learn and that if you can teach rats in a lab a particular activity, um, once those rats manage to get this activity down, all rats basically across the planet will uh, uh, significantly faster learn these skills and over generations they may actually be born with these skills on board. So um, uh, Sheldrake is, is, is suggesting that the information that makes these skills available is transferred through a morphogenic field. But there's a... Uh, an energetic field. There's you know. something yeah. connecting us. Yeah. And he well, looks where, at this. What, what's the hundredth monkey then? So the idea is that, you know, once the hundredth monkey can, um, you know, light up its own cigar, all monkeys can light cigars. Okay, sure. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, there's lots of uh, examples of this stuff. There's uh, one of the examples that I've read about is about how lemurs, um, which generally uh, only move around in trees, never touch the ground because of e ecological disasters in Madagascar, learn how to run. 
Um, so they run on their hind legs and they do this really weird loping movement. Now, when they're on the ground, they're extremely exposed and, and very vulnerable. So they, uh, they adapt to a situation, but very soon lemurs in other parts of the world that don't have the situation in Madagascar can actually demonstrate the same ability. Um, oh, and you can, weird. yeah, and you know, you can look up the, the, the materials and the veracity of it. And it's, it's, it's all really, um, interesting and, and, uh, um, maybe less magical than what it sounds, you know, it's, it's, um, it's impressive. But the point is that there's this idea of a field connecting us. Um, and I'm thinking of this cloud of knowledge that you're talking about that you actually feel yourself consciously affected by the fact that you've taken in a whole bunch of ideas, uh, out of which you've developed a series of expectations, you know, a little bit like these, these long-term COVID patients. Mm. Um, and you know, when we were speaking about highly sensitive people, um, we didn't really uh, speak that much about the actual phenomenon of highly sensitive people. We spoke about your experience of them in your learning environment and so on. But the the originator of this idea, Elaine Aaron, um, I mean, when she brings out her, her materials and some of it you can see on YouTube, I think she's got a few uh, presentations that you can watch or read her book. It's, it's, it's fascinating stuff. And she points to a really significant percentage of not only the human population, but, um, in any number of species that there are highly sensitive individuals, um, and that there's a, a, a spectrum of, of, uh, sensory sensitivities that, uh, uh, are evidently much higher in something like 20 to 30 percent depending on uh, which species it is and uh, you know how much people have looked at it and all these kind of things which obviously also affect the way in which we discover things because whatever we sort of give attention to um is kind of what makes the world uh turns it into forms of meaning that we understand um and one of the things that, that strikes me as being really important in this process is, um, I mean, during the time when Lena, you were ill, uh, it was press freedom day <laughs> and we've spoken quite a lot about, uh, the sort of information ecosystem. That's also then part of a theoretized morphogenic field in which lots of messages about danger, fear, death, panic, uh, guilt, shame, um, you know, who you vote for, what mask you wear, et cetera, et cetera. All that kind of, uh, feeds into that. And that's the kind of frame that I thought was worth exploring, you know, because, um, uh, the, it, 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 for me reveals ways in which this kind of, um, Everything is everything, uh, perception of, of complex adaptive systems can be, uh, sort of concretely or practically observed. Um, sorry, is the noise in my head bothering you? No, I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to grasp it. Yes. 
So what, what, what is the theory really? Is, is it that if, if I sit down and try to weave a basket because other people throughout humanity or throughout history of, of humanity have learned it, I will pick it up quicker than if no one ever would have done it? Yeah, well, uh, that's definitely a strong aspect of, of uh, Wolfgen field theory. Um, and can I do that without any input? Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, I mean, the, this is kind of, uh, branching into something slightly different, but, um, we've spoken a lot about innovation, um, okay. and what you're describing is actually uh, typical of the process of innovation, that there's first some sort of, um, for example, uh, uh a real invention. Somebody invents the technology of weaving uh, some sort of fiber yeah. into a useful form, and then it just gets innovated and reinnovated and reinnovated so that um, over several iterations, it changes from anything from uh, mats to uh, nets for fishing to you know um, yeah. walls for making. Uh, uh, yeah. uh, wattle and daub houses. Um, so yeah, that process tends to, uh, uh get easier, um, tends to be a little bit faster, tends to be, uh, uh, wider spread, uh, tends to get deeper, you know, um, and I mean, some of the interesting stuff around the, 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 the Sheldrake material is for example, that, um, he posits that, uh, memory uh, is not something that exists, um, in the human form as such. It's not something that sits in your brain, that it's actually found in the morphogenic field, uh, um, energy in the plasma, you know, that it exists in the, the, um, the, the, the energy field in which we exist. Um, so that when you experience memory, um, it's actually accessed from, uh, the, the environment that you're living in. But the point for me is the practical stuff. So here you are, uh, having Corona, having these, uh, particular symptoms, um, which you've seen described Yes. in quite significant detail, um, and, uh, you experience them and, and to a certain degree, they might give you a sense of safety because you know what might happen. And in other ways it might, might make you feel like, oh fuck, I could just die today. So best, um, you know, I make a list of all my passwords and, um, you know, prepare for the worst and hope for the best or whatever the case might be. Now that stuff comes at you via an information ecosystem and that information ecosystem has to the most astonishing degree been continuously exposed to be an instrument of, uh, game theory interests. So whether or not we're supposed to use masks, whether or not, uh, Quinine could be used as a, a prophylactic, um, 
This is all information that has been used to manipulate people polit politically, um, supposedly in the interest of science. And in some cases, it has been in the interest of science, but it's really fucking difficult to discern uh, which of these things is, is going to be useful or not. I mean, when the, when the vaccines come out, AstraZeneca is like um, somebody let Satan, you know, out of hell. Get rid of Af AstraZeneca. They're bad. It's a bad vaccine. It's bad business. Uh, it's really terrible, you know. Only 8% efficient. Oh, sorry, we got that wrong. It wasn't 8%. It was something else. Uh, on and on and on and on it goes, you know. And it generates states that, if we look at it from the point of view of, for example, uh, uh, polyvagal theory and, and um, the ways in which uh, neural uh, states in the body affect human health, the amplifying of insecurity of uncertainty uh, within the information network really dramatically influences how we, we uh, handle these type of events. So we start behaving really funny. You know, we start really behaving in ways that's, that's very counter-evolutionary, counter-survival. And I've been hearing anecdotal stories of from uh, you know, therapy uh, environments where people are reporting that their clients are having difficulties integrating into society, um, that they, they don't feel comfortable about going back into the world, even though they've been vaccinated and et cetera, et cetera. Not strange, I don't think, you know, at all. And, and it connects me with this idea of press freedom because we've got this idea that uh, press freedom is this ultimate liberal right that we really should be upholding and it's all so special and bloody bloody blah, blah well you know right after the pandemic started um the people who reported on uh the the human creation of viruses got deplatformed and donald trump got denounced as a complete conspiracy nut and it's also disgusting and he's deplorable and etc cetera, etc cetera. well by now We've just rewritten the whole script, you know. It's as if, oh, but we've always thought that. Obviously. So the, the point for me is not whether or not the virus was created by humans. The point for me is what happens to our collective nervous systems? What happens to this morphogenic field? What happens to our collective organism in these states in which we continuously bombarded by an experience in which we can't really believe the things that we've sort of been taught. That's what you should believe. You know, believe the science. Why do why don't you believe the scientists? Are you stupid? Are you an anti-vaxxer? Are you a conspiracy theorist? What's your problem? Well, I should really go along with that. You know. Um, well, then it turns out that you shouldn't have gone along with it because it was wrong from the beginning. But it. What? Was it wrong from the beginning? No, no, no. We've always said that. That's what we've always been saying. And it's a very weird kind of uh, ecosystem to exist in, in which um, there's these continuous contradictory indicators. You know, it's like, um, uh, yeah, I don't know what to say. I mean, 
the the metaphor that comes up for me <laughs> is that the the dinosaurs over at at Jurassic Park have killed one of the one of the 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 park wardens, you know, and uh, they've gotten hold of his his cell phone, uh, and they've started ordering McDonald's from um, you know the the Uber Eats. <laughs> <laughs> that's where we at it's it's like things get really fucked up it's it, it, it's it's a weird way of responding and when you think about it long term covid is a really stable response this is like a, a a nervous system a human nervous system that works really well it's like a highly sensitive nervous system it's really doing the thing that it's designed to do it takes in all the information it responds to uncertainty in a way that actually reflects and affirms that this is how the environment expects me to respond. Yeah. Which reminds me of a lot in the, you know, the, in Sweden, we call them hemasittare, the kids mm. who, who don't go to school. Mm. In Sweden, we have obligatory schooling, so you have to go to school. And all of these kids that are, you know, getting depressed and, and just cannot go to school. They don't go to school. Even though there's pressure and there's push and, you know, police can come and fetch kids at home to bring them to school because they have to, and parents can be removed, you know, have the kids removed from their custody and, and all things. A lot of what the kids, the kids' responses, that's a lot of my thoughts on that is like super logical, healthy, reasonable responses to the environment that they are in. It's like, yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's absolutely relevant. It's a relevant response to a really shitty environment. Um, so it, it makes me wonder then, cause I got on Twitter two months ago, end of March, I think. And for some reason or other, there's a heck of a lot of people from India on, in my feed. Um, quite a few really interesting ones. Um, but so the, the situation in India, what with COVID that just blew up in April. March, April, um, May, as like, it's, it's been in the feed, you know, oh. tweet after tweet, after tweet, after tweet about the horrors and people dying outside of the hospitals and, you know, the city of New Delhi having like seven hours of oxygen left the city, <laughs> you know, um, which makes me wonder. Because I'm guessing quite a few of the people in India are picking up on this too. So how much, you know, how much of it is what is and how much of it is because of the story that we're telling about it, the way that information system network is, is hyped or, you know, seeded or... Um, thwarted, perhaps. 
Well, there's certainly thwarting going on, you know, uh, yeah. like people being, uh, you know, either labeled with different kinds of fake news epithets or being canceled or whatever the case is, um, or just ignored. You sent uh, an article from uh, a doctor in, in South Africa mm -hmm. uh, who's kind of observed this eighth-day phenomenon um, that you also experienced. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, in South Africa, my, my brother lives in South Africa, and, 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 and uh, sort of I hear these stories anecdotally, but... but um, Lots of uh, people around him and he himself have been using uh, ivermectin. Um, this uh, it's it's basically like a chloroquine in uh, cousin um, as a a prophylactic, you know, um, and with good results. And then suddenly of, this. I don't know of what those any words of those mean. words means. Yeah, none yeah. of them. It's like. Um, uh, you know, I don't know, uh, Gucci, uh, Donna Karen, they just brands, you know? Yeah. But, but, but I yeah. think you should go with like Apple and. No, no, no. I know what Gucci <laughs> is. I, I don't know. I'm, you know, I don't know where you're going with this though. Are they using handbags to breathe yeah, they, into they, you? They're eating handbags in South okay. Africa. Um, as a prophylactic. As a prophylactic. What's a prophylactic uh, then? Ah. Ah. Something that you take. None so of the words. Won't. I understood none okay. of them. Okay. Prophylactic is when you when you like when you take something so that you won't get sick. Yeah. Just think condom. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Condom That's... is a prof. Yes. Yeah. So they're so, taking so... handbags as a condom for COVID. Yep. Yes. You got it. So early on in the in the pandemic, um, the deplorable Donald um, said some things about uh, chloroquine as as uh, one of the possible treatment methods, um, and uh, you know the the uh, the problem with this whole story is that the whole information ecosystem is completely infected and sick. So it doesn't matter at which point you start, you kind of have to explain so many lines of reasoning in order for anything to make sense that nobody bothers to sort of spend that much time on anything. Um, because there's no payoff, you know. Um, but Donnie did, you know, and he said something along the lines of, why don't you just drink a bottle of chlorine or something like that, you know. He did. Um, and he then, as, as his advisor, Steve Bannon, had told him to do, he filled the pipe with shit. And it went all over the internet. Um, and then when everybody was really upset, then Donald said, it was just a joke. I was just being ironic because you guys are so oversensitive and you're continuously misquoting me, so the joke's on you, you know, um, and so on and so on. So it's like layers of really difficult disinformation, misinformation, propaganda, um, deliberate weaponization, et cetera, et cetera. But the point is that there was a quinine-based 
uh, medical treatment, quinine generally used for malaria. Malaria. Um, and because Donald said it was a good idea, um, it was completely rejected by the medical fraternity because the medical fraternity is sadly, uh, especially during this pandemic, obviously at least partially highly influenced by political interests. And that's life. We have to deal with that, you know. So ivermectin is, is one of these quinine type of products and people have been using ivermectin throughout, uh, the, you know, most of the non-Western world, uh, because there aren't that many other medicines around. So definitely you use what's available and what works. And there's this doctor that discovers that everybody that gets COVID, um, shows a shift on the eighth day after the infection. And that what typically happens is uh, what he describes as a... Um, allergic reaction. An allergic reaction, a histamine reaction. So they have a huge histamine storm in the body. Um, and this leads to all of the breathing problems and, and, and uh, the types of symptoms that tend to get people hospitalized. So he treats all these people with um, antihistamines and corticosteroids um, and has treated thousands of patients from his uh, uh, practice quite um, poor in this way. Yeah. I beg your pardon? Poor, a quite poor neighborhood. So a, a fairly you know, poor it's, area. And um, fairly rural, rural. So, you know, 30 minutes by car to the nearest hospital, but that's the small one, you know, so. Um, and he has pretty much a 100% success rate. He has. He hasn't. Well, at least the article in the video I saw, he hadn't lost a single patient and he had like three, four, five thousand patients uh, testing. And, and these COVID. are really not uh, uh, rare medicines. This is not a problem to, to get to because we have quite a lot of that stuff lying around and it doesn't involve any. He hasn't got any of his own oxygen at all. There's no oxygen, et cetera, et cetera. So the point we not is whether the, the, the thing is, is, um, effective or whatever. The point is that this is not in the information system. The information system is not, uh, directed at that kind of world. The information system is directed at disaster, scarcity, control, uh, who's at fault. What steps have those who are being pointed at taken um, and how are they going to be punished uh, for the steps that they didn't take and how have they avoided those punishments, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's like, okay, well, you know, um, if that's the ecosystem that you're living in, then it's not that hard to imagine that there are certain results within that system. And... I want to get back to the problem of press freedom. Why are we calling it press freedom? You know, as the famous uh, uh, statement goes, the freedom of the press works best for the person who owns the press. It's just never been more true, you know, because yeah. the, uh, the, 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 the actual content of the material um, has really lost its, 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 um, importance in comparison to, uh, the way in which it's presented, uh, the context in which it's presented, 
when things in which things are repeated, regardless of whether they're true or not true. It doesn't matter, you know, we've spoken about this kind of stuff before, whether it's airplanes uh, being re-diverted or being diverted to Belarus. Um, well, you know, we've forgotten that that's exactly what the NSA did to try and catch Snowden. They forced the fucking president of Bolivia to land in Austria. Uh, nobody started sanctions against the United States for that one. Did we mention, um, you know, another famous journalist who's sitting in fucking Belmarsh prison? No. Um, who's he? Who's he? Yeah, who's yeah, he? Who is he? Assange? No. Who? Yeah, what? him. Okay, him. Ooh. Lucky guess. A lucky lucky guess. guess, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't really matter, you know, because by next week all of this shit's forgotten. We've got something new going on. Then we're gonna, you know, be back on Turkey, or uh, you know, uh, something's happened in Russia, or uh, the Chinese, the Chinese, the Chinese, the Chinese. Weren't they the guys that made the virus? No, that's what Trump said. Oh no, but we've always said that. Um, <laughs> <it's> like, <laughs> oh shit! I've got COVID. I want to go on holiday. Have you got a COVID vaccine? Yes, I do. But do you have a passport? Uh, yeah, I do have a passport. Yes, but do you have a COVID passport? Mm. And sneaking through the back door, I mean, our local government is proposing laws to stop children from visiting playgrounds. What? Using, using the pandemic laws that were voted in, you know, to everybody's astonishment. Um, so... The entire parliament votes, yes, we want pandemic laws. Then, three months later, um, the, the sort of liberal in large inverted commas right-wing uh, right side of parliament are now complaining that government is abusing their powers. And you sort of think, but surely didn't anybody kind of read the script? You know, is this really so difficult to see through? Well, apparently it is. So there's, there's two thoughts that are quite uh, opposite each other. One is when I got sick, this was the first time that I tested myself, even though if I kind of think about it i've had like cold uh symptoms before and i haven't tested this one was already on that thursday when it started itching my throat something told me that mm, okay uh so first test i did positive right and the entire time except that thursday afternoon headed into thursday evening before i fell asleep I have been, you know, quite chill. It'll be fine. I'll be get through this. You know, I'm, I'm fairly healthy. I move. I, you know, I'm not massively overweight. You know, it's like, it'll be fine. That little window of, oh shit. <laughs> um, and, and just to, to, I read that South African doctor, uh, article on the Saturday, I think after that. So day. 
11, 10, something. Um, but it's interesting to think then about, okay, that has been my mental model. That has been the mental environment that I have gone through COVID with, right? And I am fine. Um, and then flipping that around to the parliament then, where you have, okay, yes, pandemic law. And then three months later saying, wait, what? No. Is it like, is the mental model that they've been living in this thing of, oh no, this won't, you know, this won't affect anything. Right. And then knock, knock, knock. Uh, yeah, this thing. So maybe it isn't opposite at all, but, but maybe they have been living in the same mental model as I am. And like, it will be fine. Right. And then comes knocking. What are kids not allowed to go to playgrounds? I haven't seen anything about that. But then again, I wouldn't because I don't look for it. And I mean, just for context, the, the law in Sweden was voted in, um, I think about six months after, uh, the first proposal came in. And when the first proposal came in, there was a, a pretty broad consensus that the law was completely unnecessary. And they pointed out that there were virtually no instances anywhere in Sweden where the possibilities that would be offered by a new law were not already enshrined in local protocols. So your local district surgeon could absolutely make those decisions himself. And then six months later, everybody votes to say, yes, government should be able to, you know, make these draconian decisions by themselves uh, whenever. Then a short while after, when um, <laughs> they start exercising these decisions, we'll say, oh no, look, there's going to be an election. Let's criticize these fuckers with everything we've got. Um, oh, hold on. Uh, wasn't this supposed to be some crisis with a pandemic? Yes, they mismanaged it. Yeah, that's been quite apparent too. This this positioning, um, you know, we're the good guys because we said the the correct things, and so we're pointing fingers. That's gotten more. There's gotten there's been more of that You're i don't think so no i think, I think so. it's become more apparent because we have a common common feel to talk about it on like yeah. we all have a common reference in covid Ooh. previously it was mm -hmm. you know sometimes in school it was sometimes in economics sometimes in public health care sometimes in you know law enforcement you know Ooh. it's it's just that we have a we have a common ground topic. for it now. Yeah, exactly. We've got a funnel for the shit. Yeah, we do. But interestingly, in the United States, these uh, bizarre outliers where certain states have just done exactly as they please. So they've just 
overturned everything. Hmm. No more masks, no more lockdowns, uh, so you know. So what's the, have you seen the statistics from those states? It's like. Yeah, I have. With, and with um, it looks really embarrassing. Because they're it, not dying like flies. No, they're not. So there's maybe, kind of maybe like, that was that was because our our what was it called the the epigenic ep, ep, uh, morphogenic field yeah, theory that one. yeah and they they just they just knew because us Swedes had already done it <laughs> and everybody wants to be a Swede yeah exactly yeah <laughs> you know that's that's the dream in Texas I've heard they all to want be to be. A Swede. Yeah, <laughs> they all want to be sweet, yeah, because we're such libertarians. Exactly. Mm -mm. Yeah, but again, you know, making these kind of assumptions that um, A is because of B uh, is kind of proven to be seriously dodgy. Uh, the the causal relationships between things, especially in this pandemic, have been really, really interesting. Um, so we can pretty much say with certainty that lockdowns haven't really done the thing that they're supposed to do. Um, we can pretty much say that most of the pandemic responses haven't done the things that they were supposed to do. Isn't and there's lots of data to support cases? those points of view, you know. I mean, in, well, in yeah, quite significant if, cases, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like, I've, you know, again, anecdotally, but, but I've been speaking about, or I've been speaking to my friends in India and and a friend in Singapore, um, and and they've both gone into semi or or actual lockdowns again. Oh, um, you know, India is the is the obvious as we spoke about previously. They they had a huge boom and and then they went into lockdown again. Oh, uh, and I think they also have this sort of regional. The the states can do certain things in, in certain areas or, or something like that. Oh. Um, but I also know that Singapore was, was on its way to open up completely again, or they were almost completely open again. And then now they're in semi-lockdown once more. Um, isn't there anything to, to suggest that, that it works? Cause, cause we're from rather, um, I should probably start there from what I've heard from them. The cases have gone down, you know, at least in, in, you, you can plot it on timeline and say, Hey, this makes sense. This, this should be, there should be a causal relationship between these two things. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, um, I think the, the, when we started talking about this, we were joking about the, the sort of prefacing of statements with, I'm not an epidemiologist, uh, I'm not a data scientist. And, <laughs> and, uh, so I think now we could just go over to, um, I'm just an opinionated fuck, you know, um, and, and, and here's my two bits. But from what I've seen, there's currently something around the order of a hundred thousand published research papers on COVID internationally. <laughs> That's quite an industry. You have to really consider that, you know, a hundred thousand published papers is a really significant economic chunk of activity. We can and also say what, what one and a half, one and a half, 
one one year. Yeah, more or less. And during that time, um, there's been one of the biggest transfers of wealth in history so ever. From Jeff Bezos to everyone investing in Dogecoin, right? Well, uh, not that's, exactly. That's... But we can say that the rich got a fuck of a lot richer during COVID. And I mean, these are things that are just, you know, we can't really argue about it. This is really going on. And if you were do dealing with it in any other area, you would really ask, what are the interests that are governing these processes? If you were talking about a, a drug epidemic, well, you'd be looking at what are the laws governing drugs? How did the suppliers work? Uh, you know, what are the, what are the, the incentives for this thing to continue and what are the, the disincentives for it to stop. Hey man, don't mess with the free market. You see? So is there any difference So looking here? just at... Wait. So, well, I'm just... Yeah. Because it's like war is, is kind of the same, you know, it's like war is absolute heaven for a lot of like markets and, and like increased wealth because there's a shitload of, of, uh, weapons and munitions and, and whatnot that's needed. Right. Ooh. But there you can, I can kind of see a direct correlation there. Okay. Ooh. If you're then, um, um, uh, munitions maker, it makes sense that you'll get a shitload of money. Is there the same type of correlation here is like everybody who has uh, anything you can order online when everybody's in lockdown, are they the ones who have gone, you know, massively richer or is it kind of other people too? Is, can I pose another question? Is there yes. anyone who is massively rich who doesn't sell something that's sellable, sellable online? I don't know. That's sure. my, not uh, my... Other than in oil. That, that would be my one exception, probably. Well, I mean, to answer that question, if you look at the portfolios of the sort of top 10 richest people, um, I think the percentage is somewhere over the 50th percentile in property. Yeah. And that's also a rabbit hole to go down, you know, um, but the, the thing for me is, is, is more to say, okay, so, um, there's a whole lot of research here and we know from, for example, climate change that uh, like with most other things, cancer research, AIDS, um, that especially since the eighties and since the sort of onset of neoliberalism, that there's been less and less integrity in, uh, academic integrity, academic truth, you know, that, uh, people have been researching in order to create results. Hmm. And COVID is not that different. So there, amongst those 100,000 papers, there absolutely are papers that are going to give you the answers that you want. 
And there are papers that are going to contradict that. Um, and that's in many ways healthy. That's the way that science is supposed to be, you know, that there's a, a broad field and a spectrum of, of results. Um, but most people don't have the, the tools to look at all that material. They don't have the tools to understand all of it. So they look at the newspapers and the newspapers say, um, you should be doing this. You should be thinking that. This is how things work. Now, if all of this sort of opens up, for me, one of the things I would wonder about is how would uh, the treatment regime have been if right from the beginning there had been openness about that the virus is probably the result of a gain-of-function experimentation with coronaviruses. Because all of the treatments are... At this stage, according to what we know from, from um, the information that, that we have available on uh, the net and the press and et cetera, et cetera, the, the treatments of coronavirus are based on a naturally occurring virus. But if the virus is actually man-made and in the worst case is an actual bioweapon, in the best case, an accident, um, well, then that treatment approach is definitely going to look a fuck of a lot different. So again, to me, it just feels like uh, for people that are, for example, carrying long-term COVID, um, the, the actual embodied experience we have is of being uh, many steps removed from something that really does not feel okay. That there's, there's very, very low veracity. There's very low truth involved. And it's very, very difficult to discern because there's so many overlapping interests, many of them that have absolutely nothing to do with the actual disease, which clearly uh, does seriously impact some people's lives. Now, the people that get affected by this um, seem on a certain level not to be the people who are actually benefiting from it. The people who are suffering are not the ones who are benefiting. The people who are making money are not the people who are intubated. Isn't the people that the who way are it always gaining... is? Oh, shit. Did you just say that? <laughs> I did. <laughs> You're so cynical. Eh? <laughs> you think the worst of people. I so do not. Um, if well, ever we've got an on tape now. Optimist, it's me, right? Yeah. <clears throat> We're going to release it as part of our deep fake expose. <laughs> Elena, the misanthrope. That would be me.
So where's where's the connection here? To what? You, you started throwing up all of these these uh, long long fancy words like the the morphogenic mes- field theory, mor- morphogenic mm-hmm. field theory, uh, game theory, the free press day, free press freedom day. The you you had another one the the du, duel dinosaurs that order fork. from Uber Eats exactly but also the 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 game theory the duel duel the the duel whatever where where where's the connection what's 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 your point so what what are you trying to to shine some light upon in all of this. You ask such really difficult and embarrassing questions. I mean, how could I ever satisfy such a thing as what's the point? No, I didn't say what's that point. What's my point? That's even yeah. worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my point is that... Um, My experience of uh, this field of information um, is made easier. I can make better sense of it by um, using these particular explanatory models, um, by looking at ways in which, uh, for example, um, long-term COVID patients uh, have a certain sensitivity, a little bit like highly sensitive people do to certain signals, to certain frequencies and amplitudes. What kind of signals? Um, like get sick and stay sick, be uncertain, um, feel isolated, you know, but these signals like, uh, be uncertain, feel isolated are very much, um, uh, uh, how should one put it? counter-evolutionary, they lead to death. They're things that uh, we don't process very well with our, our uh, nervous systems. Our nervous system first go into complete stress and then slowly but surely uh, break down more and more. Start to attack the immune system, eventually the species will die out. You know, I mean, that's just sort of biology. And one of the key delivery mechanisms for this particular field effect is through the press. So we have an information system. Now that information system uh, is built on the idea that everybody should have the right to say whatever the fuck they want. But that isn't really true. And it's obvious that it isn't really true that there are vested interests involved in who's allowed to say what it is they're allowed to say because it serves particular ends. Now, when you, if, if it's possible that you have something that may threaten um, the, the existence of the species, then it would make sense that you give the best possible information 
for that threat to be removed. But that does not seem to be the case. And that's hard to understand. It's very difficult to understand. So, I mean, again, coming back to things like practical things, lockdowns, um, one of the, 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 the disturbing uh, uh, issues that comes out in, in studies of lockdowns and data uh, and their relationships to a pathogen like COVID is that using lockdowns may actually make the situation a fuck of a lot worse because you force people to live uh, in fairly close uh, uh, proximity to each other, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So there's those type of, of points of view. There's the disturbing fact that certain types of response to the pandemic have been highly correlated with political interests. So the left have been pro-lockdown, pro-mask, uh, all this kind of thing, and the right have been uh, let people take responsibility for themselves. So these... Um, That's an oversimplification, though. Okay, but, you know, shall we go through the 100,000 papers? Yes, I need to oversimplify. I agree, yeah, yeah, but, it's, but, it's a generalization. But, but, yeah, but, but saying that the right is, is I would say, the, the libertarian or, or the liberal ways uh, of any part of the scale are saying people should take care of themselves and, and the more of the authoritarian oh. are saying go into lockdown. And yeah. that's in the nature of, of those two camps. Absolutely. But you don't have a lot of people on the left saying, take responsibility for yourself. And you don't have a lot of people on the right. And when I say the right, I absolutely mean the libertarian uh, freedom uh, world. They tend to say, well, you know, common sense is definitely going to carry us through this. And the point for me is not to, uh, 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 whether the generalizations is, is that accurate. The point for me is that these particular points of view hold bigger sway than what we scientifically give to or what we give to the scientific information we have about the specific pathogen, the hard objective data. But this again is the way it's done right yeah. again yeah. with yeah. school politics oh. you don't have any party looking at okay here's the science what seems to be the thing that most people have a uh, um, you know okay here's the thing most people agree on let's build our educational policies around that now it is i am authoritarian of the gazillion million papers written on education, I'll find these three. That's so much my point of view. And now I have scientific backup to prove it. Whereas over here, the libertarians will find their five and say, no, this is the way you do it. I mean, that's the way it's done. Yeah, through dominance. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, a question then, and this might be like 
actually just basic civil civil politics or something rather than here. You have the politicians that are the people to make decisions in Sweden and everywhere else. And then you have civil servants who are the people, the ones who, who are executing on the decisions. And it seems that these guys underneath are the ones who have a lot more knowledge than the politician, even though they're supposedly have their little like brain trusts of, of expert oh. advisory boards and, and shit and stuff that, so somewhere there should be input to politicians, to decision makers about what's reasonable policy, what makes sense, what's the science saying, what's the science not saying, you know? No, you can't say that because it's not, you know, we don't have any data on that, etc. But it seems as if it's, I experience it not to be that. I experience this, the decision-making click to be much more based on dominance, based on, I believe this, hence I will find proof for what I believe, which is extremely unscientific. But then again, politicians are politicians and not scientists. Well, those politicians generally say our advisors in consultation with scientists, we've come up with these documents, um, and it sort of, um, hints at that there are different layers of this process going on. So on the, at the outer layer, there's a really lovely, uh, theatrical experience where um, you know, we doing politics and we voting and it's all democratic and there's, you know, separation of powers and, um, so on and so on. But the, the motivating forces around, um, how those proposals come about, um, that's something completely different. That's fairly hidden. And you really have to apply yourself to get to those things. Now, even if you do apply yourself and get to them. Um, you've wasted a whole bunch of time because out in the playing field, the subject's already changed. Nobody's interested in that. There's a new that issue, last week. you know, yeah. that was last week, you know, so, um, whatever it is, oil, uh, uh, vaccines, it doesn't really matter. Um, there's this continuous churning of the stuff on the outer, uh, surface, what the scandal is, uh, what the. Um, the latest uh, triumph is, you know, we've managed to get this policy through. Uh, we're now going to launch sanctions, all this kind of stuff. And it takes a lot of effort and time to get to places where you can say, oh, fuck, now I understand what was happening there. My instincts were really good. I didn't have the information, but this is really going on. But nobody cares. At this stage, it's completely irrelevant, you know. I mean, this this uh, spy scandal this week, where the Danes are helping uh, uh, the NSA to spy on a whole bunch of people, including Angela Merkel and um, Swedish politicians and so on. It's like, uh, yes, it's a scandal. Uh, is it new? No, there's just general amnesia going on. As you say, this has always been the case. So how is it that everybody's going like, what? 
the NSA is, is spying on its, its, its own allies. No, that surely can't be possible. Um, well, yeah, folks, you know, we've uh, been here and <laughs> done that. And uh, so let's actually see what's going on here, you know. And when you do pack, unpack it, there's like a whole bunch of things that in themselves are really interesting. I mean, the fact that it's the Danes and that the Danes have been this really loyal vassal state since George Bush, um, you know, that's just like one of the realities of, of geopolitics. And the Danes stand to win significant amounts of economic advantages by the Americans interfering with how the Germans are running the pipeline from Russia into, uh, into Europe. So the Danes want to have a slice of that action and they need some really big hitters to make that possible. I'm, I'm trying to see if I can find, I read, I don't see it. I think this morning I read a post on Instagram by somebody who's into relationship dynamics, therapy, whatnot, speaking to amnesia saying well. that in a in a in a romantic relationship if one of the partners continuously kind of claims amnesia it's like oh we said that we did that you you know it's like did we have that argument i don't remember i don't have it's like <laughs> um actually i've never heard of this happen before Precisely, precisely. Oh, I promise I won't ever do this. Yeah, but you said that the other 15 times. What? Have I done this before? Yeah. And she, she or it, whatever the account was, um, was kind of pointing to the fact that choosing amnesia is a, is, you know, it's a pattern response. It's a pattern response where you remove yourself from your agency you remove yourself from the responsibility that is yours to carry you you know you disempower yourself by choosing amnesia so that the sort of the clue was please stop you know don't don't choose this pattern it's it's not good for anybody least of all the person who says oh i can't remember um but it kind of you know it just reminded me of this conversation. It's like we're in a, on a collective level, on a societal level. We're running that pattern quite heavily. Um, it's like we can't, it's, it's a little bit goldfish uh, pattern. You know, oh, look, here's a little plant. Oh, look, here's a little plant. Yeah, and round and round you go. Um, <laughs> which, which is like, I, I then wonder about myself, you know, I stopped watching TV news, 95, 96. I haven't listened to radio news. I don't know, for the past 10, 15 years. 10 at least, I stopped reading the newspaper five years ago. I rarely 
check any news sites online. Um, I'm in a, a signal thread with you guys, so I'm getting fed lots of articles on, on various stuff, but I don't. It's, it's as if I've plucked myself out of that goldfish bowl a little bit. I just can't be bothered by this. Oh, fuck, it's this thing this week. Oh, fuck, it's this thing next week. Oh, fuck, it's this thing. Third, you know, it's like, oh, no, please not. Which might be a type of amnesia in and of itself. Just I'll just remove myself from it so I don't have any clue what the fuck is going on. I wonder whether that's really possible to not have a clue. I mean, that might be overstating it perhaps, but I definitely have a lot less. I was, I heard the, the name of the Vänsterpartiet, the, the left parties in Sweden, the, the name of the party leader the other day. And I was oh. going, I have no, I, I have never heard, you know, and it made me realize I wouldn't be able to say the names of the party leaders in Sweden. Right. They changed uh, last year. Yeah. I yeah. Think they so. sent him to Thailand for re-education. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. like. You know, you know, so in a sense, I do have much less clues than what I used to. I used to sort of keep tabs on, on most things. Now I've just gone, fuck all. Not with everything, but with things. But you have food growing in your garden. Yes. So I'm kind and of choosing where I'm spending my energy. I had a really interesting conversation with my father about that. Um, about growing food in the garden? Absolutely, 100%. It's all I do. All day, every day. Um, know about, about um, unplugging yourself from, from news and from that kind of input. Uh, where his argument was, well, you're not up to date then. You, you don't know, you, you're, you're just in your little bubble and, and you don't care what's going out, out on outside. Um, you're not taking in anything. Um, and I tried to explain to him, well, well, just, just for, for argument's sake, how many books have you read this year? Just for argument's sake, how many? Well, let's say past five years, I'll, I'll give you some, some leeway. I was like, that's, that's not relevant. That's not the same thing. I'm like, well, in that case, you don't have an argument. Mm. Um. Well, you know, oh, sometimes when I ask people, you know, what, what books they've been reading, they genuinely think, I mean, pocket kind of things that you buy at the airport. Oh, novels, you know, like mm. quickies. I don't, well, I, I don't like to read. You know, the, 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 
I, w- I would still say that uh, I don't want to say it's better, but, but it's it's I would say it's more enriching in terms of input than not reading at all. Mm. If nothing else, there's a, a focused training going on. Yeah, and it, it, not even that. It's it's an input. It could be mm. that you're you're a huge fan of of TV series and and intently and and folk, you know, um, watch watch series. Oh, that's fine. Fine by me. Um, it's all about what, where you focus on having your input, and, and I think that that was the kind of argument that I, I couldn't get it across at all. Yeah, or I think also um, what kind of inputs we experience that we are unfocused around. That we scrolling through, you know, series of different social media platforms or whatever the case is, and um, there's a lot of 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 internalization going on. So there's one of the things. I mean, I've I've been joking with Caspian for the past six months or so that I, you know, sometimes I'm quite slow. The penny drops slowly. <laughs> um, and having been around you, Dominic, since 2013, you say, I say 2014. Is that how yeah. it goes? Something like Ooh. that? Ooh. Or 2012? Well, somewhere around. Not not 2012. Okay, 2013. So It was, it was your school <laughs> tour. It was one of my school tours, yes. Um, I have, in the past perhaps month, perhaps two months, started to pay attention to context in a way that I never have before. And, and I can either say I hold you personally responsible for that, or <laughs> I can say that you're the person who has inspired me to actually think context. Um, in large part due to a lot of the conversations we've been having here on Buddhas. Um, but it's, it's as if, again, it's like, oh, shit, it really matters. It really fucking matters. And I'm like, soon to be 49. Um, and, you know, quite there uh, in, in many ways. It's like now context is kind of finally dropping. Oh shit! It really matters. So sometimes it takes a while for the seed to sprout. Let's say, but you've been very, very generously kind of watering and you know making sure there's sun and you know a little bit of fertilizer and whatnot. <clears throat> What a lovely acknowledgement. Thank you. Maybe that's the wrap. Me think it is. Oh. So, Caspian, my question is, um, 
Did I get to answer your question? What was my point? I think so. Yeah. Let me know what it, what the answer was. You know, I'm still confused. No, but I think I think what you're what you're pointing to is is a little bit. But what we texted about the other day with uh, with uh, network societies and anti-fragility. Oh. There, there's a lot more to take in into the um, I mean context if if you will um, into the conversation into into the going deeper arena. in the stack exactly um, and I mean I, I've been I've been fairly confident that I know what's wrong with the information society um you know you 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 dug a little deeper mm. at least that's that's my takeaway Ooh. from it um, saying hey there there's 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 something going on behind all of the things you see oh. on the surface. Oh. You know, there, there's, there's background code and then there's the coding program and then there's the programmer. And somewhere in all that, there's a computer as well. Oh. Yeah, those are good metaphors. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I've found um, has happened for me over the years is that my my need for a a point has become less pointed. You know, it's like um, uh, in content, there's usually a point, but in context, there's just like dots to connect, and mm. um, you definitely can distill out some. Uh, you know, issues and so on, but I really find that it, it, it uh, offers answers as much as that it offers like fields right. of relevant questions. Sure. Yeah, I, th I think that was a poor, poor choice of words on my part. Rather, what I, what I wanted to, to bring up was what are we pointing to here? Ooh. What, where, Ooh. where? If we're connecting dots, what are they circulating around? What, what, where's the connection between Ooh. all of them? Um, and yeah, where do I think they it's cross? A, it's a good choice of words. I mean, we uh, uh, talking, you know, uh, having a conversation and um, they, that there could be a point to a conversation, I think is quite a reasonable expectation. <laughs> oh. Possibly, yeah. But maybe I should be clearer from the beginning that I don't have a, a point that I'm having exploration that I I have a few uh, sort of dots that I've been connecting that are suggesting a, a field. 
I mean, after having done that for this, for, for what, a year, year and a couple of, you know, 14, 15 months, I, I think that's pretty clear. You never, you've never had an, an, an agenda. Never had a point. <laughs> no, you never had an agenda of saying this, this is the point of this conversation and this is my point. And these are the arguments presented to make that point. Mm. Now, please proceed with your arguments and we shall have a sophisticated debate on the matter. And then you can reply. Exactly. That, that, was, that wasn't the point of this. No, that wasn't the point of Buddhas. Okay. Well, it's, um, as always, fun to be in this space with you. It is. I've missed I you agree. guys. Me too. Even though I've met up with you, but not together. Oh. No, that's something we should really, or I, I would really like us to, to change. If you're going to do the t-shirt thing, could I have my dinosaur with the cell phone ordering Uber Eats? <laughs> Caspian has For a sure. project. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll ask Elsa to sketch it up and then I'll have it printed. Magnificent. Maybe the, the vegan option from McDonald's, you know? The Mac veggie? Yeah. <laughs> Is that what we're going for? With Coke Zero, because you don't want bad stuff in your system. You see, <laughs> you, you just know me so well. <laughs> oh, I'll have the carrots instead of the, if, instead of the fries, because... I'm a healthy person. Because I'm a Tyrannosaurus Rex with guilty feelings. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Have a lovely evening. And you, you too. Thank Bye. you and good night. <laughs>